Chapter 14 of History of England in Words of One Syllable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine Phipps. History of England in Words of One Syllable by Helen W. Pearson. Chapter 14 Henry VIII. Henry VIII now came to the throne in 1509. He had such frank, free ways, such good looks and skill in all sorts of games, that he won all hearts at first. He was well-read, too, and would send for wise men to dine with him, that he might talk with them. But as he grew in years, he did not grow in grace. There was a great change in him, and he grew hard and cold and fond of self. He made war at once in Scotland and France, the troops were led into Scotland by the Earl of Surrey, a brave and wise man, and he had with him some high-born lords and brave knights. The Scotch army was made up of their best men, with their own king, James II, at their head. They met the English at a place by the name of Flodden Field, and fought all day. At one time the Scotch had the best of it, then the English would seem to gain the day. But at last the Scotch found they had lost their king, and they were full of grief. The best and most brave of their land had lost their lives too in that sad fight. So they had no more hope and were glad to make peace with England. King Henry's war with France did not last long. The young king thought he would like to have some of the fame of war, but when one fight was fought, he made peace. This was known as the Fight of the Spurs, for it is said the French made more use of their spurs to get off than they did of their swords. And ere long there came a young king to the French throne. He is known as Francis I. He was fond of gay feasts, and had as much love for rides and games and the dance as Henry. So the two gay young kings made a plan to meet and to have some good times, and so they did. They met near a place by the name of Ardre in France. The rich lords of France and England with their wives were there. The tents were of silk and gold work, and the dames wore gowns wrought with gold and gems, and the steeds wore silk cloths with gold fringe, and there were feasts and jousts and a dance each day. This was known as the Field of the Cloth of Gold, for there was so much of that rich ore shown there, both in the tents and in the dress of the lords and dames. There was a great man who met with the two kings at the field of the cloth of gold. His name was Wolsey. He was a priest and was known to be such a wise man that the Pope gave him the high rank of cardinal. A cardinal in those days was a great man. He wore a long, fine silk robe with fur on the edge, and in the street he had a red hat on his head with a broad brim. Cardinal Wolsey was a man who knew more than most men of that day. He read Greek, and he built Christ Church at Oxford, and a great school at Ipswich, with part of the wealth he got from the king. But he was proud in his ways, and the English thought he was to blame for the great tax that was laid on them to pay for the king's wars. So some of them told the king that the cardinal spoke ill of him, and made a boast of his wealth, as though he were more rich and great than the king. Then Henry went into a hot rage and sent to seize all the wealth of the cardinal and would have cut off his head. But it came to pass that the cardinal was so struck down by grief at the loss of all that he held dear that he fell ill. 
and with his last breath he said that if he had but done as much to serve god as he had done to serve his king he would not have left him in his old age the truth was that henry sought to cast off his wife catherine so that he might take a new one and wolsey would not help him for he knew it was a sin the king had cast his eyes on one of the queen's maids by the name of anne boleyn and he had made up his mind that she should be his wife he found out all at once that catherine was not his real wife as she had been brought to the court for prince arthur the first-born son of henry seventh who was dead the pope would not give him leave to do this and time went on till at last a priest by the name of thomas cranmer said they might leave it to the wise men in the great schools who knew most of law henry said he would have no more to do with the pope but would be the head of the church in england and would have things his own way he said that catherine was not his wife and all the right that had bound him to her was null and void so he sent her from him and made haste to wed anne boleyn poor catherine did not live but three years from that time henry said the english must own him as the head of the church but there were some of the best men in the land who would not do this so he had the heads of two of the great men cut off though they had been his best friends these were bishop fisher and sir thomas more sir thomas more was one of the most wise men of the day he had been at school in oxford and was well read and could both write and read greek he had learned law and was said to be the first englishman who could make a speech that would sway the hearts of men as he chose he had a home where all the best men of the day were glad to meet him and talk with him on grave things or hear his wife and young folks play and sing and there he found the best joys of his life henry had made him chancellor of england which was the place of most high rank on things of law so when the king chose to take a new wife he had a hope that sir thomas more would help him but not all the kings in the world could have made the chancellor do what he thought was wrong he did not wish henry to send off his good wife catherine of aragon and he still held to the pope as the head of the church so the king was in a rage with him and had him thrown into jail and kept him there a whole year but he would not say the king was in the right or that he was the head of the church the king then made up his mind to put him to death and at last said his head should be cut off and he would not let him see wife or child but one of his girls margaret lay in wait in the street where he must pass as he was led to his death and ran out to kiss him and to beg him to bless her those who saw it wept so this grand man lost his head and the king had it stuck on a pole on london bridge but margaret soon made out to get it down and when she was dead it was put in the same grave with her henry the eighth had his own way and was wed to anne boleyn but in time she too had to feel that the king could change to her as he had done to his first wife a new face won him and he made out that the queen had done all sorts of bad things and then he had her head cut off on the day of her death she sent to beg that the king would be kind to her child elizabeth her last words were to say that she had not done the bad things they said and to pray god to bless the king and the english folk and then she laid her head on the block the next day the king was wed to jane seymour who did not live long or she might have met a worse fate she left one child who was edward the sixth the king's fourth wife was anne of cleves the king did not like her looks so he soon put her out of his way but he did not kill her 
He gave her a house and funds for her needs, and that was all. Then came the fifth wife, Lady Catherine Howard, but in a few months the king found out that she was not so good as he had thought, and he made short work with her. Her head was cut off. Yet he found one more dame who did not fear to wed with him. Catherine Parr did not seem to mind the risk she ran, and she kept the king in a good mood, so that she did not lose her head. He was the first to die. The time of Henry the Eighth was a time of change. In Germany, Martin Luther stood forth to teach men that pope or priest should have no right to break laws. And there was a wise man in England by the name of Erasmus, who wrote and taught truths that made the English see how much of wrong had crept into the Romish church. Some grew to be foes to the pope, and said the priests had too much land and gold, and that some of them led ill lives, and made the poor pay too much that they might live well and not work. There were some who took the part of the Pope, and said the priests were wise men and should be kept at ease, that they might have time to teach. Henry at first was on the Pope's side, and wrote a book with his views, and to show how wrong Martin Luther was. But when he found that the Pope would not give him leave to wed as he chose, a great change of mind took place. He thought that it would be a good thing for England to have her king, and not the Pope at the head of her church and he set to work at once to break up all the homes of the church to make the monks and the nuns turn out. He said they could all go to work, but some of them were too old, or they were not strong, and there were those who had to beg or die of want. Then he took the lands and wealth of the church to do with as he chose. At the same time, he would not let all read the Bible as they chose, and they must serve God in his way and not in their own. Those who were not on the side of the Pope and who thought he had not the right to rule, were known as Protestants. They would have all learned to read the Bible to find out the true way of life. The men who did not think that the homes of the church should be torn down, and who still held to the Pope as head of the church, were known as Papists. King Henry made some harsh laws, and had some who did not keep them burnt to death. One of his worst crimes was that he had the head of the young Earl of Surrey struck off, but a few days ere his own death, which came in time to save some good men from the flames. There was no one to mourn the death of such a king. End of chapter 14